Zach gave me his, you know, Waterloo got too hot take. He then proceeded to say, <laughs> well, that's why we, that's why Guelph, we, we, that's how we beat him is we never made a big deal out of playing Western. So that's how we, <laughs> we kept our cool, baby. We kept our cool. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. We have just seen the quarterfinal action of the playoffs wrap up. We saw a few careers come to a close, or what we suspect will be the end of some careers. We'll probably save those conversations for when the whole season comes to an end. Uh, Off the jump, actually, before I even hand over to you, Nate, uh, was brought to my attention. I may have made a little audio hiccup on our last episode previewing the quarterfinal round of action. So, you know, actually to you, Nate, uh, this is now part of the full At The 55 experience. Um, you really aren't part of the gang until I have screwed up the audio on one of our episodes. I did it with Eddie. I've done it with Dakota. And I've done it with you as well. So uh, you are now fully indoctrinated into the squad. But that aside, and, and my apologies for those lists who were listening to it, maybe a little confused. Uh, what are some of your quick hitter thoughts uh, coming off of the first round of playoffs we saw? Uh, well, I'd say like it's tough, Zach, because I call it like a, a B plus. It's on the verge of an A minus. You know, it's really borderline. It's so a pretty good week of football. I was pretty happy with most of the games that I watched on the weekend. So uh, hoping that continues. What do you think? Well, you know, getting to see Western Waterloo live um, kind of on that point about seeing some careers come to an end, um, you know, not to sort of spoil the conversation on that, just the fact of being there live for what may have been Trey Ford's last game in the OUA is definitely something that I say with complete sincerity and honesty, if that is the case. Um, it's It's been an honor, Trey, to, to watch your career in the OUA and uh, you know, we'll get into that. It was a lot of fun. And then getting to review some of those other games. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of good stuff from this weekend. And we obviously talked that at the end of the season, there was uh, a few bumps in the road kind of getting here. Um, but over on the whole, yeah, I, I feel like you hit the mark pretty well in your evaluation. That kind of B plus A minus territory um, fits yeah, the bill. You're, you're gonna so we'll, be a, you're gonna, yeah, you're going to be a teacher, right, Zach? You're, you're <laughs> going to be an expert in that kind of thing. You know, I'm into the I'm into the like single uh, single uh, criteria rubric. I'm a pass fail kind of guy, so this is a pass for me. This is a thumbs up, double thumbs up across the board on this one. Uh, so let's get into a bit of hardware so we can get into the action that went down this week. We'll start with our players of the week. Nate, I'll pass the floor to you as well. Uh, who do you want to shout out for your offensive player of the week? Uh, so I'm going to shout out a guy in a losing effort. You know, a bit of a breakout performance, and that is uh, Quentin Scott of Laurier Golden Hawks. Uh, 27 carries, 162 yards, two touchdowns. Um, a lot of impressive runs on the day from this kid. And, uh, you know, sucked us in a losing effort. And, you know, probably we didn't see him kind of every game through the year, but I think, uh, you know, definitely what I would consider to be a breakout performance. Um, he has arrived on the OUA stage, that's for sure, I would say. Yeah, most definitely. I, th- you know, I think there was some good signs of life from him in that last matchup they had against Waterloo to to close out the season. But yeah, nothing close to this, and a hell of a performance to say the least against a very solid uh, uh, run defense or just defense as a whole by the Guelph Griffins. Um, 
I'm going to take a guy who was on the the winning side of the equation, another running back, and uh, you know a guy who we've talked about a lot this year, who uh, you know has been in the conversation. His name has been in the ether as far as OUA MVPs, and uh, that's Rashid Tucker. You know, put the ball on the ground twice today, which you know you don't like to see, or yesterday I suppose, but 19 carries, 170 on the ground, two touchdowns, and then a really nice touchdown. A uh, little wheel route out of the backfield. You know, our boy James Keenan found him there. So three touchdowns on the day. And just a really solid performance across the board in a fairly, you know, we, I'd say this was the game that, you know, if there's any debate whether this was in that B-plus or A-minus range, this is probably one that pulled it down a little bit. As fun as it was to watch James Keenan uh just run around the field with sometimes reckless abandon. We'll get into that. I'm sure you have some thoughts on on uh, on some of that. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it was a great performance by Rashid in this one. Um, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, who are you liking here, Nate? Well, before I get to that, you know, I just want to acknowledge Zach. That's I I appreciate you calling him our boy, our boy James Keenan. <laughs> so it's nice to hear you claiming that. Uh, one of my uh, fellow Queens guys there, <laughs> um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with the Laurier Guelph game. Um, and I'm going to go with the guy we haven't, you know, maybe talked about as much as we should have throughout the year, but a very solid player, uh, Jared Beeksma, um, six total tackles on the day, one sack, one TFL. Um, and what was really, you know, an overall really good performance from that Guelph defense, as we mentioned, um, obviously we mentioned Quinn Scott, but you know, those hard yards i should say were hard to come by and you know not much going on through the air for the golden hawks so i had to you know give some love to the guelph defense there um through jared beeksman who you got well i mean a great pick there you know uh, guelph's had such a a solid stable of linebackers for a number of years now. And, you know, it's funny, obviously AJ Allen coming back for them has been huge for that defense and that team as a whole, not only his performance, but just his leadership and what he brings to the table, um, just as a sort of intangibles. But, you know, I feel like if, if AJ hadn't come back this year, I feel like there would have been a lot more emphasis on Jared Beeksma this year. And, who knows just how his personality works. Maybe it's to his credit that he can kind of fly under the radar a little bit more, but still have great performances week in and week out. Um, I'm going to go with a guy who made the pivotal play in the in Ottawa, picking up the victory uh, in Toronto, uh, Mr. Chris Seguino. Not sure I'm pronouncing his name properly. Uh, hopefully I'm close on the mark at least, but if you aren't recognizing the name but saw the game, uh, he had the pick six in the late moments of the third or early fourth in that kind of uh, transitional period, late third, early fourth, whenever that happened. And, you know, as we kind of say with a number of the games that have happened this year, if you just look at the box scores, sometimes you might be a little misled in terms of, well, what was the true outcome of this game as far as the competition level and you know this game was this game was very competitive in fact it was a little more competitive than I thought it was going to be and you know not to step on what we'll talk about sort of more fully in that matchup but yeah that came at a point that really put this game to bed a little bit of signs of life from UFT in the late going but yeah, just a massive moment for the GGs on the road picking up the victory. 
and uh, sending them into the semifinals. Um, so shout out to Chris there. Um, special teams. Uh, I I think we came to a consensus on this. I don't know. Am I correct in in this name? I don't think there's another direction to go here. Correct? Yeah. Are, are you going to zap on me here? We're going to share this one. I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, it's got to be Ethan Monahan from the from the Guelph Griffins blocked the punt scooped it up in the end zone for the touchdown the early goings that put Guelph up what was it 14 nothing there early in the in the first quarter and you know we'll get into it obviously Laurier bounced back a couple you know Golden Hawk bounces of their own um that were favorable for them I mean uh to to give credit to your your, your, or to quote your old coach as well I mean shit that's football right um but you know just a huge play in the early goings that um I think was so huge for this offense to kind of give them that breathing room. Um, especially, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into that, but Ethan Monahan, hell of a play. I mean, it's one thing to get the block, but when you're also pouncing on it in the end zone, I mean, I, I, I don't think, uh, I, I really don't think there's any other direction to go with this. Right, Nate. Absolutely. I'm, I'm in a total agreement with you there. There we go. Uh, so let's take a look at some who's backs of the week um nate i'll actually i'll I'll go first on this one um you kind of mentioned it in talking about the uh performance uh of chris siguno and in the ottawa game and of course that being a pivotal moment to you know thrust the ggs into the semifinal performance so who's back it's the ggs in an oua semifinal and i'm just going through my web browser tabs here to find. Yes, here it is. What I believe the last time the GGs were in a semifinal performance, it was Saturday, November the 3rd, 2018, when they unfortunately fell to the Guelph Griffins at home. But uh, a, a long awaited return for the GGs to be in the final four of OUA contention. And as it was, you know, as we were reminded of with that matchup yesterday and hard to forget, the season's been so emotionally, um, just so emotional for the GGs with, of course, uh, remembering Francis Perron and everything this team has been dealing with. So just, you know, we can say what we want about the East-West divide, whether one side's weaker or the other. I mean, we've made our thoughts clear about that, but just... For what it's worth, it just I think getting to this moment, uh, you know, it's hard to not feel happy for the GGs. Um, you know, whatever comes of this game against Queens, that they've been able to, you know, get to this semifinal game. And like I said, first time since 2018 when they faced Guelph. And knowing sort of where you're going with this, in where with your who's back, I'll, I'll kind of tease you, a, tease it a little bit. As we said, Guelph won that game to vault them into a Yates Cup. Now, what happened in that Yates Cup? I will pass the floor to you for your who's back. Well, who's back? It's a it's Guelph Western. Um, there we go. You know, going off your point, uh, the last time these teams met in the playoffs, it was following that game for Guelph against Ottawa. Um, they played Western Yates Cup, and the result yep. was a. Uh, I think you put it well. It was 63 to 14 for someone. Um, <laughs> my memory is fading on that one, but I think I would imagine if you, you're a fan of the OUA football, uh, maybe you have an idea about who won that game. 
but uh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's been a it's been a real um big fixture in the oua um since sort of you know if you want to call it the Stu lang era um at guelph it's been a big game over sort of the past decade um so looking forward to sort of the next iteration here and let's not forget you know western looking to avenge their one loss on the year obviously uh earlier coming to guelph so excited for this one no yeah i mean guelph western is is usually a fun affair and uh you know you mentioning that your memory's a little foggy maybe it's those five sacks from uh another game in or a game going back to 2015 when when you and I played in a a matchup together uh j- just uh just for fun I I I pulled up earlier today the box score from the one time Nate and I actually played in the same game to Mr. Hobbs's credit here the man finished 14 for 27 282 in the air with a touchdown but most impressively he had 61 yards on the ground Nate I didn't know you had you had you had the puppies like that. You, I don't even remember just as a as watching from you know when we, your offense was on the field. I don't remember seeing you running around like that. I mean, is this is this where James Keenan? This is where James Keenan gets it from. Then I guess right. Well, Zach, not a lot of people know this, and I'm I'm kind of surprised. But um, you are talking to the best dual threat quarterback in Queens history. <laughs> um, I believe I have the most yards rushing by a quarterback. Definitely most touchdowns rushing by a quarterback. So, you know, what happens with Mr. Keenan through the years, I'll be following quite closely. But as things stand currently, um, that is me. And I think as long as uh, you got a guy like Rashid Tucker in the backfield or someone like that, then, you know, <laughs> I don't know if they'll be throwing uh, any QB runs in the red zone. So I'm feeling I'm feeling comfortable for now, for now. Yeah, and for what it's worth, you also, I believe you said, set a Queen's tying record for the 108-yard long touchdown you had in that game. Um, which, you know, going back to some things I think you've mentioned about just some of the performances we've set on the game, maybe I shouldn't be giving you too much credit because you take away that 108 from the 282. I mean, you know, it's, it's really not that great a day by you in the air. I mean, it was really more of a rushing day for you, all things considered. But we'll move from the past into the present or at least into the more recent past and get into some of these games we saw <clears throat> pardon me this weekend and we'll start with the matchup in Toronto as we said it was the Ottawa GGs on the road taking on the UFT Blues final score in this one the GGs 27 the Varsity Blues 17 this was a rematch from week one where we saw UFT just narrowly sneak out with the victory there. I believe that was 11 to 10, the final. A few sort of, not news and notes, but just a few off the top moments. And this was a game I had to watch uh, retroactively, as I mentioned, being at the Western Waterloo game. What a what an awesome just sight it was. I mean, it was, it was a beautiful day in Southern Ontario. Hopefully, you had some nice weather out there in Vienna. Beautiful day in, in Southern Ontario. And, you know, Varsity Stadium is one of my favorite venues to go watch a game. But most importantly, just seeing from the few crowd shots that they showed uh, of, the, of the stands, seeing a packed house or, you know, whatever, uh, uh, you know, quote unquote, COVID capacity packed house would be. I mean, they're not, unfor- they're unfortunately not actually showing the attendance on the OEO website, maybe it's somewhere else out there, was a beautiful thing. You know, we, we've kind of 
made made some jokes at the idea that it's been however many years since UFT's been in the playoffs and you know no no whoa, whoa, the, not jokes not jokes facts factual statements fa- that we've what? made <laughs> well no of, of course but you know in 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 those facts whether it comes off in a, a joking manner or whatever this was really cool um and honestly there was part of me that you know in, in, in thinking to sort of get ahead of ourselves a little bit and thinking that this might have been a, a tighter matchup than Western Waterloo and given the sort of historical significance of this being a home playoff game at U of T, there's part of me that was thinking, actually, you know what, maybe it's worth making the drive home to see a playoff game in Toronto. Um, so just sort of off the jump, that that was just that was awesome. Uh, as far as that component of the game, what sort of thoughts did you have? You're, you're very close with this UFT team. Uh, you're very close with the the GGs with the, as far as some of the coaches as well. As far as some of those components, the sort of aesthetic of it all, what kind of thoughts came to mind or what sort of emotions, if you will, kind of resonated with you watching this matchup, if any? You know, I was really kind of... It's funny because, uh, you know... You say maybe it's not the best game of the weekend, but I think it was really kind of just a really great, you know, Canadian football experience, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and sort of all those elements you mentioned that came through on the broadcast as well for me. Um, you know, you could really feel the electricity in the air, especially when U of T had cut the game to a three point game um, sort of before things fell apart for them. It was electric in there. And, you know, I got to say the commentary team did a great job as well. Um, it really, was a very <laughs> enjoyable experience for me um, on the day. Um, it's a little bittersweet for the blues. Um, it's, it's a bit of the end of an era, right, Zach? I mean, you look at it, Clay, Sakara. I mean, does he have a year of eligibility left? Maybe, but he's probably gone. Um, you know, Will Corby, kind of another guy who has a, probably a year left on his eligibility but again who knows because COVID I don't know if these guys are over school or how they feel about that um Lovegrove I think was was honored on senior day as well um you know so it's it's kind of a weird it's kind of this has kind of been the peak they've been building this for the past couple years and sort of having this moment I think was a big moment for the program and I hope it's something that you know, these guys can all, they'll all remember for the rest of their lives, no question about it. Um, so for them, definitely something to be proud of. Um, but, but, but <laughs> I, you know, they lost. I would, I think, you know, it's kind of, we, I feel like we've been saying a lot of the same things um, about this team over the past weeks. You know, the offense, Obviously, it was a better day for them statistically, and actually they outgained Ottawa, um, but still not sort of to the standards that we were used to that was established um, in years prior from this group. Um, And that was sort of the difference on the day, you know, for them. I don't think it was anything, you know, spectacular for them. Um, You knew what they wanted to do coming into the game. We prefaced it last week. You know, you talked about that running game. That's exactly what happened. Um, they got up early, they play, they ran the ball, played it relatively safe. And, you know, really that U of T offense, they came close. But in the end, you know, they just weren't able to catch up and sort of be the game breakers that um, we all hoped that they could be. No, I mean, 
you you set it up really well and all that. And you know, as we said, as you acknowledged too, Ottawa ultimately, um, while getting out gained in total, their bread was buttered as it's been mostly this year, at least sort of when they've been at their best, which is with the run game and and JP Simmonkinda finishing 29 carries, 124 yards, one touchdown. Dawson O'Day, five carries, 36 yards, touchdown of, of his own. And um, if if I'm remembering it correct, I think I think JP's touchdown was like a goal line, just, you know, run through the pile or go over whatever he did. And I just remember thinking like, you know, if, if you were going to have a draft of, of OUA running backs to pick for goal line situations for like, we need one yard or whether it's goal line or otherwise, like any situation where you're like, we need one yard, He's definitely up there for guys that I would be picking or thinking thoroughly about taking at the top of the pile. Because, um, man, he does not look like he would be fun to try and tackle. Um, but at the same time, while kind of as we were saying, you know, I mean, a 10-point difference in, in the game's not a blowout by any means. Um, so not, not that someone should look at that outcome and say that, oh, Ottawa clearly just came in and ran the table on them. But... Um, even looking at some of those rushing yards in the early early stages of this game you know we obviously talk a lot about the UFT offense and how it's been a bit of a a regression from what we saw in 2019 and even a bit in 2018 from this team um but that's still kind of where the conversation begins and really the next point of conversation usually goes to Chris McLean as the punter whenever he's doing you know on his wild stuff which you know he did again with 23 yards rushing picking up a first down but in the early the point I'm I'm getting to in all this in, in sort of talking about the Ottawa running game and the sort of things we normally talk about with with Toronto is frankly that in the early stages of this game I was really impressed with Toronto's defense in slowing down Ottawa's Ottawa's offense and you know a, you know Ben Maracle's a guy where I, I've been really impressed with him I think if we're gonna get into the conversation of most improved players of this of the year I mean he's definitely in that conversation um but in the early stages of this game it was a lot of you know if not three and outs a couple maybe a first down and then a three and out or you know it, 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 Ottawa had a tough time going in the early stages and uh, you know maybe there's a bit of that you know there's, there was a lot of new faces or a lot of faces making their first playoff appearances um, in, in a number of these games. And obviously that's going to play a factor into just just having nerves and things of that nature. And maybe that did come into some effect um, for Ottawa in, in that bit of a slow start. And of course, you're on the road. But frankly, I want to give credit to that uh, Toronto defense in the early stages of, of what looked like a really solid outing, uh, at least from the jump. Did you have a sense that it was a bit of a stronger performance than maybe what we've seen, or did you have did anything defensively stand out for you? Well, I think that like the defense has had a good year in general. I mean, barring sort of the uh, crossover game against Guelph, <laughs> um, but I mean, you look at those those two York games, which obviously played a huge role getting them in the playoffs. Um, you know, being able to force turnovers and things like that is you know, what effectively won them those games. Um, holding Ottawa to 10 points in the first game of this season um, as well in there. Um, they've had their moments, and I think, you know, it's a testament to the players, a testament to the coaches. Um, and it's something that, obviously, they deserve their credit as well. Absolutely. And as far as another guy to to give some credit to and talking about, you know, once again, the idea of 
if we're going to give out a most improved player of the year, it, um, it's been awesome seeing uh, the year Adam Williams has had. You know, just on the pure numbers, it's it's not groundbreaking, but you know, even when this UFT team was at its most explosive, going back to those first couple weeks in 2019, you know, as we know, I mean, it's 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 not a hot take to say that was obviously a product of the passing game. And, uh, you know, Williams has been a guy who I don't know what year he's in. You probably have a better sense of sort of his eligibility and everything like that. But, you know, I've watched, been covering this league for long enough now, watched enough of these UFT games to see a lot of outings where, you know, it's and they've a, a weak spot for them has been on the offensive line for for sure. It's been a struggle for them there. Um, and so he finishes the outing, you know, 59 yards in the ground, no touchdowns. Once again, nothing that's going to knock your socks off, but just. I think he'll be another name that when we go through the year and, and the sort of retrospective of it all, that'll be like, you know what? Really nice to see his progression um, th- that he's sort of gone on through his, his couple years um, uh, the, or in the years he's been with the UFT. Do you have a sense of where he's at in terms of his eligibility? I, I, I was at the last home game for them. I mean, prior to this one, when they faced off against York and they did the sort of graduating players. I don't remember if... They, if he was acknowledged in that, but do you have a sense of where he's at with his uh, time at UFT? I want to say no. Um, I think he might have been his second year when I was in there in 2019. But I think yeah, it comes gotcha. down to sort of, and I think a lot of things. I know I, I get very confused in terms of, uh, especially going forward in terms of eligibility because it's really a lot of it will come down for if these guys want to continue to stay in school um, because of COVID, um, you know, obviously guys are going to have an extra year of eligibility, but it will come down to, "Hmm, do I want to stay for six or do I want to stay guys already make that fifth year decision. Right. But you know, when it comes to six years in school, doing an undergrad, you know um, that can be a tough decision for a lot of guys. So just something to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, most definitely. Well, we'll put that one to bed. We'll say bon voyage to the UFT Blues. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a time <laughs> uh, this and season. Shout out, and shout out, uh, shout out, you know, it's always, it's hard losing a, losing a tip top quarterback in the OUA, you know, so, you know, I think, you know, Clay, Clay deserves his flowers. So I'm, I'm, you know, you can't see me right now, but I am visually, I have, you know, my bouquet of flowers Here's to you, Clay. You know, congrats on a great career, uh, and you know, really enjoyed watching you over the years. I, I I agree wholeheartedly with wholeheartedly with everything there. Once again, I'm sure we'll do a retrospective end of year wrap up, and we can kind of go into uh, some of the other players and do a bit more of a a formal sort of goodbye, if you will, to the players that have made covering the league so special over these past few years. But hundred percent, Clay. Um, Wow, I mean that 2019 year was like no one can take that away from you guys. That was so so special, and it's been a, it's been a privilege to get to follow you um, for your career. So Ottawa, we will be seeing you next week. UFT will be seeing you next year. Let's move on to our next game. The game I was in attendance for it was the Warriors here in London taking on the Mustangs. Final score in this game, 51 to 24. This was a game that early on, uh, sort of texting with you and texting with Dakota a little bit, it, it had a feel of like, is is this have the making of the you know quote unquote instant classic? I mean, Waterloo jumps up, I think it was fourteen nothing or ten nothing in that one, and 
the you know talking talk I said a little bit about being impressed by what UFT's defense was doing I mean Waterloo's defense especially early on and and I, I'll give you the floor to talk about this a little bit but you mentioned it when before we started recording you know a few dropped interceptions for the Warriors too but just overall like especially in the early going the Warriors defense came to play particularly that run defense was really giving um giving the Mustangs fits in the early goings um but then you know it's western and it's, I, it's I want just, you I want to hear Zach and yeah. we talk I want to give the fans the two hot take that's what it, the fans need to hear the two hot take oh oh as far as my my take on oh, okay well it's okay so here here's part of my thinking watching this game you know obviously and and credit to just the the Waterloo Warriors fans and there's the football community there I love going to games at Warrior Field it's always a great environment but they travel really well as well they filled up um uh I'm, I'm still forgetting what they call it um, a Mustang alumni stadium whatever it's called now TD we were in London they did a good job packing the house there and obviously especially given what happened when these two teams played earlier in the year when your squad goes up 10 nothing it's hard to not get very excited, whether you're a fan or a player. But there was part of me <laughs> that when they hit the field goal to go up to nothing, and I'm just like, wait, actually, how much time has passed? And it was barely five minutes, and I I couldn't help but thinking, Waterloo, you got to calm down a little bit right now. You're, it's just... You're too you're high. Just, you're too you're high. Too, <laughs> you're too hot. Because you have to know that, you know... You know, I know we put out on our socials like what's you know some of your hot takes for, for from this week, and someone obviously came out saying Waterloo to win. Would it have been the the, the craziest upset of all time if if that had happened? I mean, a little bit based on that last game, but but no, I mean it's still Trey Ford. It's still you know all the things that you know give us hope in thinking that this Waterloo team could have made a run in the you know at least going back to the preseason. But you know. I don't think anyone would have expected that a Waterloo win would come in the form of them, you know, blowing out London. So you knew, or blowing out Western. So you knew the Mustangs were going to counterpunch. And so, yeah, to, to the point Nate is kind of joking about there, as I was, I, was, I was telling him, I just felt that they were a little too hot too early. And I get it. It's exciting to be, you know, have that type of energy. But you just knew Western was going to counterpunch. And, it's just you gotta kind of keep your cool and and, and to, to Waterloo's credit, they counterpunched. And the first half of this game was such a great back and forth. I'm trying to do a, a quick bit of math in my head. I mean, Western getting that touchdown late in the first half, you know, definitely gave them a bit of separation, um, uh, well, get a bit more, a bit uh, more of a cushion um, going into halftime. But it really was a hell of a first half of just. Waterloo coming out, you know, and then in Western with the counter and then Waterloo going back and forth. Um, and then it kind of just got, you know, that touchdown at the end of the, the third and at the end of the half, so to, uh, I should say. And then, you know, it just it, the second half. I mean, Waterloo was shut out in that second half. I mean, that's that's a whole lot of me talking there, Nate. Um, what were some of your impressions watching this one? Um, did it feel like two different games, first half, second half? Was there anything in particular you were seeing from Waterloo as far as the, you know what they brought in the first half, second half, or what kind of thoughts did you have watching this one? 
Well, Zach, I want you to expose you first because after Zach gave me his, you know, Waterloo got too hot take, he then proceeded to say, <laughs> well, that's why we, that's why Guelph, we, we, that's how we beat him is we never made a big deal out of playing Western. So that's how we, <laughs> we kept our cool, baby. We kept our cool. So Guelph, if you're listening now, don't get too hot. Queens, Ottawa, if you're listening, don't get too hot, okay? Don't get too hot. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, for me watching this game. Thank you for uh, calling me out on that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I think for me watching this game, it was like, this was like, uh, why do you let them off the hook? Like, honestly, um, it had really, from the jump, sort of the formula, um, you know, you got your your quick touchdown to start the game. You then proceeded to get a, a turnover. Um, couldn't con- it deep in Western territory? Couldn't convert that into a touchdown. Fine, you get a field goal. So ten nothing, as you mentioned. Um, Waterloo then proceeds to throw an interception, which bounced off a of Waterloo receiver. So that's no sh- shot to trade for or anything like that. Western then scores a touchdown. Ensuing kickoff. Waterloo fumbles a kickoff. Next thing you know, like a minute, two minutes later, uh, it's 14-10 Western. I mean, it's just – that would like – I don't want to say that was the ball game, but, I mean, there's no – like, I couldn't – I cannot think of a scenario where that happens and you're going to be Western. Like, it's just – like it can't happen. So, from there, um, as soon as kind of seeing those things happen, um, kind of had a feeling for where the game was going. I mean, obviously having faith in that Waterloo offense, but, I mean – kind of going from all that momentum you had to sort of giving, giving them the lead right back. I mean, it, it, it was always going to be tough from there. Um, obviously they played out the first half competitively still, but um, those two scores for Western at the end of the half, really, I mean, they were up, what was it? 12 points at the half or something, Zach. I mean, like that was the two touchdowns that you gave them. It could have been tie game going to halftime. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's is devastating. And I think, you know, the second half as well. Um, you know, there were a cup Waterloo dropped a couple potential picks from Hillock. Um, and another key third down late in the game, um, that could have, you know, with a touchdown at two points, could have cut it to an eight-point game, I believe. Um, and unfortunately, you know, Trey scrambling around missed a wide open player um in the flats that would have gave them the touchdown. Um, they made a point to emphasize that on the broadcast, showing the replay a couple of times. Um, so I think for me, like, I feel bad for Waterloo. And it's like, but you let him off the hook. You had like, you had ever, I think you you had the opportunity to kind of do this. And you're always going to have to play your best game. Unfortunately, you didn't, but it's how it is. But Zach, I have a question for you. Do you mm. feel better or worse about Western after this game? Hmm. It's a good question. I mean, I think uh, you can make the case to say there's certain things like I think you can kind of hedge on that to say both in a certain way, because obviously we this is a Western team that, you know, unlike years past, we have seen them drop a game already coming into playoffs, going back to that week two loss at Guelph. Um, But as we said, this is a game where they did have to overcome moments of adversity and it's a bit of a cliche and we've actually probably talked about this a little more with queens this year in that you know 
is does that worry you um not you specifically uh nate but just as someone following these games when a team gets to the playoffs and they haven't necessarily been challenged so on that front i think there is positives to take away where as we said you know that first half there was a lot of that give and take that you know give a punch take a punch type of mentality which you know looking ahead a little bit to next week you know (laughs) Guelph's defense is certainly going to dole out its fair share of punches to this western team and that Guelph special units uh, team as well is going to be like super physical as well I don't say that to single out the the, the offense by any means but just truly as far as quite literally doling out punches it's a very physical special teams and defensive uh, unit so I think in that regard there is a lot of positivity to take away on the other hand and you know this is always a bit tough because you don't want to be sort of taking away from the performance of the uh, the opponent and as I said in the early goings especially for whatever it was whether it was you know whether it was Bertoya kind of just holding on to some of his you know the 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 tricks that he knows about this the sort of intimate things he knows about how Western operates particularly on the offensive line maybe he was waiting to bust some of those out but like Waterloo was getting penetration in both the pass and the run that, you know, save for that matchup against Guelph earlier in the year, really haven't seen any team give Western that kind of trouble. I mean, their offensive line has been, you know, probably up next to Queens's offensive line. Maybe you give them the nod, but one of the most solid units in, in the OUA. And at the end of the day, you know, you have Trey Humes finishing with 79 on the ground, two touchdowns. Keon with 68 um, and a touchdown as well. This is a Waterloo defense that we've seen many teams run on, including this including this Western team not too long ago. So is that troublesome? You know, you mentioned a few of those dropped interceptions for Evan um, on the day, you know, still super impressed. Like it just, you know, and we kind of talked about the, maybe the nerves playing in as far as first playoff appearance and all that jazz when I watch Evan play I still like (laughs) I I, it's easy to forget we're watching a first year guy so I think there's things to kind of look at it from both sides on that perspective that like we said I think it's good for them that they were able to be in a a bit of a a dogfight for a good portion of this game on the other hand did Waterloo highlight some ways that you can attack their uh, run game a little bit to slow them down and make Evan a little bit more of a um, a passer. I mean, obviously you mentioned those those drop passes or probably those drop interceptions. Um, you know, a handful of balls that you know we've seen him make uh, more routinely this year. It's kind of hard to where to chalk that all up to. Um, on the whole, I probably think it's a good win for them. Um, do you kind of have do you have a sense of, of sort of like do you lean one way or the other in terms of um, how Western walks out of this game feeling or or just the perception of them at all? Well, how they feel, I imagine they'd feel good. But I mean, for me <laughs> personally, um, I think, I don't know, like I, like, I, like you kind of alluded to, I think there are some signs there. Um, obviously, after the past few weeks, you know, we're all kind of, I guess, a bit worried about how the, the playoffs would look and whether Western just run through everybody. And I think this is kind of a sign that, they're like as vulnerable as a Western team can be. Like um, obviously you're playing a young quarterback, probably one of the best first year quarterbacks, um, probably the best one I've seen in the OUA. Um, But that's still, he's still a first year quarterback. He's still prone to throwing 
the odd interception. That's not like a crazy thing that that could happen. That's not outlandish, I don't think. And those opportunities were there today. Um, will Guelph, yeah. Guelph be better at taking those opportunities? We'll see. Will Guelph give Western two touchdowns? We'll see. So I think it's just <laughs> it's something to keep an eye on going forward. No, definitely. Um, is it fair, at least as far as Mr. Hillock's concerned, that we can, you know, you can call him Evan, you can call him Mr. Hillock. Can we also just call him Roy? R O Y. Is that is you know is is that fair at this point? We can is is, is he? Is, can we call him Roy? Like uh, like Kendall Roy, like you watch Succession, or I'm not like <laughs> messing with. I, yeah. <laughs> is is I, that I at least fair, fair to say that? All right, I, that's Evan fair. Evan Roy Hillock. You know, last little thing um, taken away from this game that um, uh, you know, as far as maybe signs of weakness for this Western team. Uh, the you know, talking about Roy's um, Kojo Odoom um, coming off his rookie of the year performance in 2019. We obviously saw him miss a bit of the start of this year, which I believe was due to um, a, an ankle of some kind. And he, he went down at one point in the game um, and seemed to bounce back. I think he returned to action. It looked like it was the same ankle. So, but you know, nonetheless, ankles can be that, you know, especially as the weather gets colder and colder, that's the type of thing that can be a bit of a nagging injury so something to keep your eyes on as well and and one thing that you know i found very odd was and once again in the grand scheme of things the play he seemed to be fine didn't you know walked off his own power but after one of the late touchdowns or one of those fourth quarter touchdowns i think it was the last bit, uh, major for western uh we saw keon edwards on the ground for a little bit after being on their kickoff squad why is Keon Edwards on your kickoff squad when you're up 27 points late in the fourth? What, like, I, it, it had, it was very like, it was very like booby miles Friday night lights kind of moment of just like, <laughs> can we just, can Keon just be like on the bike or like have his, like, I found that a bit odd, you know. Obviously, hey, can we can we get kind of, can we get someone else on the fifty-five man roster to uh, fulfill that duty for him? Just just for right? a couple of times. No, totally. Um, I, I thought that was a bit odd. I mean, he seemed to be fine, uh, all things considered. But just those few little injury bug things. Um, oh, and actually, the last thing I thought was kind of interesting. For whatever reason, Waterloo seemed to be short kicking to Brett Ellerman on their kickoff team all game long. Um, I don't know if it was Brett in particular they were highlighting or just happened to be the section of the field that he was uh, occupying each time. They were, um, you know, moonshotting or pooch kicking to whatever. Um, and then it felt like coming out in the third ha- in the in, in the third quarter, it kind of felt like Western made a point of being like, let's just feed Ellerman. Like, can we just like take a moment to remember? I know we've said this a few times where with some of the, you know, with Keon having the year he's had and Trey Humes being like incredible as well. Savon Magny Jones having just an incredible year uh, as well that like it's easy to perhaps forget just who Brett Ellerman was. So there was part of me and, he, you know, Brett ends up seven receptions, 69 yards on the day. Uh, no TDs, you know, but nice day overall. There's part of me that was just like, can we not forget who this guy is like? Anyways, just just a few sort of random uh, other notes on that. Um, are we good to move on from this one, my friend? Absolutely. Alrighty, we say goodbye to the Waterloo Warriors. We say see you next week to the Western Mustangs, and we move on to the uh, the Queens Golden Gales coming off their week six or probably week seven bye back at home 
facing off against the Carlton Ravens. Queens took this one. Final score, 41-214. I mean, from the jump, uh, a, a, a better outing for Carlton than the last time they, they took on Queens. That was that was the 45 to nothing. How, how, how much um, better is that? How much better? Give me a percentage of how much better. Uh, we'll call it like uh, how much percentage better, like uh, a solid like 18.5% better performance by them. Mm, that's a bit high for me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, um, I mean, we were consensus on our picks here from seeing some of the other uh, publications and just media outlets that make picks for this game i don't know if i saw anyone trying to make the zag and take carlton i mean we 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 tried to make the case of like if it did happen how would it happen and it was going to be obviously um you know seeing the carlton running game do what we think their ceiling should allow them to do albeit whether that ceiling's a bit lowered against a defense of the caliber of of queens um and if they can force a few turnovers and, and yada 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 it was a lot of you know it, it was it's a weak case and, it was a weak it, case yeah, i think it, i think we might be going to jail if we try to make that case <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're probably right on that one um you know what though um you kind of mentioned it a little bit and when we were kind of uh, talking about your running prowess. Um, the thing that stood out to me in this one, well, I mean, the main thing that stood out had to be Rashid Tucker. Obviously gave him my Offensive Player of the Week. And once again, 19 carries, 170 on the ground, two touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown as well. Um, albeit two fumbles as well, only one of which I think they lost. But, um, you know, there, there was a game a couple weeks ago where it really surprised me particularly because I think it was the Queen's broadcast or it maybe actually it might have been the Ottawa game, so it might have been the Ottawa broadcasters where the, where, where Keenan was scrambling on a play and they were like, oh, you know, Keenan not known as a guy who who normally runs or whatever. I was like, then we must have been watching the wrong, uh, must be watching the wrong James Keenan for Queens because it's definitely one of the first things I remember thinking about James Keenan in his first start for uh, Queens going back to the 2019 opening week when they played Carlton as well, where it's like. This is a slippery. This is a slippery bugger. Um, and a couple big runs for him on the ground as well. One big run that got called back on a, on a holding penalty as well. And just he, he, there was moments too where it's like if you blinked a little bit, he had a little like Trey Ford pocket prowess that kind of just like really like whoop. Just oh, there you go. You're gonna miss me there. Whoop, miss me there. Um, but at the same time, I, I think we talked about this earlier in the year where. It's, he sometimes feels a little reckless with his running, um, whether it's his, you know, trying to maybe pick up a couple extra yards, maybe a little late on the slides. What was your th- what was your thinking watching James Keenan and correct me if I'm wrong, his first playoff outing as a starter? Uh, no, it was definitely exciting. Sort of as you mentioned, uh, you know, I'm not going to be reckless. Uh, I don't know. That's just fun and exciting, right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think it's something like obviously this Queen's offense can run the ball up and down the field. Um, but you know, it's nice to have that in your back pocket as a quarterback, um, to get five, 10 yards, heck, to get uh 47 yards in one of his rushing cases. You know what I mean? Like that's um incredible thing for de- defenses to have to cover. Um, I know they hate doing that. Um, so I think, you know, sort of 
going forward with this offense, I think it'll definitely be important for him to be able to do that, um, especially as kind of the weather, you know, deteriorates and things like that. These things become important. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> if you think he's reckless, then maybe a little less reckless, but you know, I, overall, it's a, it's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, th- there's really not too much. I think we need to sort of deliberate on this game, you know, it, Sorry to be so blunt about it. The the year was pretty well done for Carlton when we saw Tanner go down. Um, you know, as we were saying about the case we tried to make for this one that we quickly got thrown out and thrown into jail for. The case for them all year is that you know they have some super talented running backs, and if 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 those running backs could put this team on their back as well as having uh, some really talented defensive players. Um, you know, maybe they could make some noise in an East that, aside from Queens, is, was pretty wide open. Um, but, you know, another thing that it seems to plague Carlton year in, year out, and, you know, on the whole, not awful, but it's it's things too, like, you know, just looking at the total offense numbers, I mean, Queens outgaining them 465 yards to 194, but then as well, you know, 10 penalties for Carlton, 103 yards, it feels like year in, year out, that's something that, has kind of plagued this team and then and then Queens on the other on the other side of it you know so we've kind of talked about them being a you know a bit buttoned up and, and and or however you want to describe it only four penalties 25 yards so i mean uh, it's always tough when when you're you know when you're giving away yards like that that kind of discrepancy i mean like if like we said it's it's a it's a weak case to make to begin with um going into this one to say that Carlton would come out on top and uh, it's 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 tough when you shoot yourself in the foot um, that much more. No, absolutely, and it's kind of I don't I don't want to say indicative of this season because I mean obviously losing your quarterback is very tough, but you know, are we kind of moving into a rebuild for them? You know, I don't know, um, but you know, an unfortunate way to end the year. But I mean, these guys can sort of hold their head high. You know, they've played hard through the whole year. Um, you know, over the past few weeks. So definitely uh, some things to be proud of, but yeah, it'll be a early off season for them. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, a tough year for Carlson and um, yeah, it's, it's, I guess they're in a rebuilding stage. I mean, I, I not once again, kind of not knowing the full eligibility situation. I'm very, fairly confident we we've seen nathan carter play his last name now for the ravens once again we'll we'll get into maybe a more thorough breakdown of that but you know another guy that has made um the the oua um so exciting for this pat the past you know four or five years what have you i think going back to his 2017 year in particular 2017 2018 somewhere in that range where he was one of the top rushers i think in canada um you know, didn't see Josh Ferguson in this one. I, he must have been a little banged up or something going on because I don't. I think we saw him off the uh, roster or, or, or pardon me, off of the um, you know participation or off the fifty fives for a couple of games. So I don't know if that was injury or, or whatnot. But you know, I think he still has some eligibility. So definitely, you know, a, a good young guy uh, there. Um, yeah, tough tough break for them. Um, I, I guess the last thing I'll throw to you as you kind of pose to me about uh, Western. Um, is there anything from this game on the Queen side of things? I know I kind of framed some of those James Keenan scrambles as being you know, maybe a bit reckless at times, and maybe that's worrisome. Um, is there any part of you that like 
looks at this game, looks at this outcome and says, yeah, but is kind of like in the back, you know, is there is there a little voice in your head that's saying, oh, you know what? I didn't quite like seeing this. Is there anything or was it just kind of pretty chalk? Uh, yeah, I think for me, it's pretty chalk. And I think I've been kind of wondering, like, you know, week to week, if we'll see this Queens team take a, you know, small step back or anything like that. And for me, I haven't really seen it. Um, obviously, you know, whether some people might attribute that to being in the East, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I don't want to come in being overconfident or anything. This is my completely objective opinion, but um, nothing that makes that like has me like super concerned for the next week. I mean, if we, we're talking about, um, you know, some other potential opponents on the other side of the bracket, um, then maybe we could get into some some flaws that might be worth talking about. But for the near future, I uh, I feel pretty confident about this team. Well, then for now, we will say see you next year, Carlton Ravens. See you next week, Queens, Golden Gales. And move on to the final matchup we had in the OUA quarterfinals. It was the Guelph Griffins on the road taking out the Laurier Golden Hawks. Final score in this one, 31-18. to we touched on this a little bit in talking about the performance or in particular the play by Ethan Monahan in about the mid first quarter blocking and then recovering the the blocked punt in the end zone to put Guelph up 14 nothing in the early going and you know as uh dang as bad as I am in picking outcomes and games that Guelph's involved with you know and you made a you made an interesting point I'll, I'll kind of give you the floor um not to steal it about when you look at the wins Laurie picked up this year um you know you framed it quite well you hit it on the nose the, you know the wins didn't come against any playoff teams um but you know part of my picking of, of Laurie as well was just it, it was been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde for Guelph this year home and on the road particularly what we've seen from their offense for you as as a, as a quarterback what type of what type of feeling do you get knowing when you when you're when you're spotted and not to say spotted because one of the t- touchdowns that put them up fourteen nothing was their offense getting it in the end zone, but how does that kind of change your outlook as just sort of an offense in general when particularly on the road and then even more so on in a playoff scenario when you kind of get spotted this early lead in terms of your outlook does it change at all or do you just sort of stick with whatever your game plan is? Um, I think you can relax a little bit. I don't think you'd want to necessarily deviate too much from the game plan because as an offense, you know, it is your job to score points. And I think, I mean, maybe you'd be a little more prone to play it safe because of this Laurier defense. But, I mean, it didn't really seem like it from Guelph. I mean, it felt like early, it really felt like they were going to run away with this one. Um, even, you know, their first drive of the game, they drive it down the one-yard line. Um and fumble on the one yard line. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, getting that fake punt and it seemed like they were really driving down the field a lot early in the game. Um, so, you know, was really impressed. And I, you know, don't want to give myself too much credit, but that's what for me was kind of seeing some snatch from this Guelph offense over the past few weeks. Um, and again, looking today, you know, not necessarily shooting the lights out, but Looking at Sean Law's numbers, 20 to 24, that's incredibly efficient. You know, 260 and three touchdowns. Um, being able to pull away late with those explosive plays, um, it's not – they're not hovering around 50% passing and, 
and sort of just hoping for some deep balls anymore. They, they're becoming much more competent as an offense, and I think this is happening at exactly the right time. Um, and obviously that defense played a big role. So um, for them, I think this is exactly kind of the performance you wanted going into the next week. I mean, if it was sort of like a defensive, like super grinded out game, then like I don't, I don't know how good I would feel about next week. But offense looked pretty good. I don't know. What, what would you say about that? Well, I mean, you, you make a really great point in saying that kind of once again, the, going back to some of the things that I was saying and some of the conversations we've had about this Guelph team, particularly on the road. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche that, you know, defense travels, um, but it's it's good to really see some signs of life from the offense in this one. You know, a guy that we probably could have, um, you mentioned Sean Law's game, uh, really solid performance by him, and um, be remiss without mentioning, you know, Keegan Dix, uh, wide out for the Griffins as well, uh, four receptions, 79 yards, two TDs on the game. I mean, we've talked a lot about the, the two-headed monster of Clark Barnes and Keandre Smith. I mean, hey, might have to make room for, for I guess, uh, more of like a Hydra? You go for, move from a two-headed monster to some kind of... You seem to be the, 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 the Greek mythologist here with your Icarus reference a few weeks ago. Uh, so maybe you can come up with whatever type of uh, monster this would be uh, creating for the Guelph Griffins. Um, but, you know, however you want to call it, um, just the more weapons that at their disposal, I mean obviously the better um you know decent run game for them i, I i'm trying to remember we saw one of juan jeffrey was went down was it juan jeffrey go down which is obviously going to be huge for them because uh, you know we've talked about some of these teams in the oua that have sort of a stable of running backs whether it is you know trey humes uh, Keon Edwards show or, or or Nathan Carter, Josh Ferguson, you know, uh, with, with Guelph, it it really is like I don't want to say running back by committee because I don't I, I think that takes credit away from the fact that like on their own they have some really standout running backs too. But it seems like week in week out, like it's a bit of a fool's it's it's a bit of a, a fool's errand to try and you know predict who's going to be their top rusher because you know I, you know. And maybe I'm wrong to sort of thinking about this off the top of my head, but it seems like one week it might have been Kane Stevenson, another could have been Kwame Ose, one week Juwan, Je- you know, it, it seems to go back and forth. I'm not really sure like what even determines that. Maybe just who has the hot hand. So obviously, if you reduce the number of of available options, you know, that obviously could be problematic for them. But just on the whole, yeah, seeing that offense come to life a little bit, and in particular, you know, against a Laurier team where, um, you know. I, whether well I think it's again, I, mean, I think it's worth yeah. mentioning like I mean we're talking a lot about Guelph and you know but I think like this was a close game um you know Guelph got it to oh, a, totally yeah they got out to an early lead um and really Laurier had a chance to you know they were down 17-9 and they had a chance from inside the Guelph five-yard line um you know obviously to scoring at the two points to tie the game um, obviously weren't able to do that, had to settle for the field goal. And that's sort of what really was the turning point in this game. Um, and from there, it was kind of Guelph's offense hadn't done anything for a while. And I just think that kind of explosion at the end, you know, the two long touchdowns, that kind of you're back, like not necessarily that your back's up against the wall, but you know what? The offense needs to make plays in order to win the game, obviously, um, at that point in time. And they were able to come through. And I think that's sort of, um, 
a big point for this team. They've obviously been in sort of a number of close games throughout the year. And it's kind of when the momentum was turning there for a bit, they still were able to stand firm. And I think that's something to take away going into next week. Actually, and you know what? Actually, that's a that's an awesome point because one of the biggest takeaways from that Mac game, we kind of joked, sort of evoke the Skip Bayless ism of like, were they miss, missing the clutch gene? Where in that late third quarter against Mac, where Keandre Smith was single handedly putting them into a, you know, deep Mac territory, um, possession after possession with incredible returns, and then it was three consecutive drives where I think it was interception, fumble, turnover on downs. And obviously you want to give Max defense credit in that one too, where it was like, like, Hey, like you, you, <laughs> you have great field position and you're not even coming away with threes here, you know? So I think that's a really great point. Um, but and it's kind of funny though. Um, looking at Guelph's drive chart, it's kind of like, um, you mentioned my being uh, on my way to, to getting into the, the teaching world. Um, it, it reminds me of a, a term that you know extends outside of teaching, I'm sure. But the idea of the compliment sandwich, where you know if you want to give someone a criticism or make some type of a critique, it's like you want to start off with the positive, then you slip in what you're you know the critique or that point of improvement, and then you finish off with like another positive. And so save for that fumble on the one yard line, um, you know, you go touchdown, touchdown, field goal for Guelph opening up their, their three out of their four drives, but then it's punt, 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 halftime, punt, punt, fumble, turnover on downs, punt, punt. But then we get those two touchdowns late in the game, um, which as you said, and kind of talking about the sort of, uh, you know, it couldn't have <laughs> couldn't have come at a better time, and um, once again, kind of those like takeaways from the game. If that is something that they can carry into into London for this um, West Final Semifinal OUA matchup, however it's going to be, you know, whatever people are going to call it, um, that's definitely a positive. And as I was going to say earlier, against the Laurier defense, which, like I said, I I, I still. Whatever we, want, whatever we want to say about this Laurier team as a whole, and on the whole, I think it is still like a lot of teams in the league this year, <laughs> save for a couple, it, it's been very confusing to truly get a beat on them. But like, I, I, I feel no, um, like I, I, I feel very confident saying that you no, know, this defense and just you know with some of the playmakers they have, is it you know does present a number of challenges. I mean, we know the names. I'll go, you know, whether it's Tommy Bringier, Willamoa, Ayo Ajayi, you know, like Hutter, you know, it's, it's a tough defense. So being on the road, doing that against some, uh, a defense of that caliber. Um, no, I think you raise a great point that it was, um, it couldn't have happened at a better time. And if it is signs of things to come, man, we might be in store for a, uh, a hell, of a hell of a matchup next week. Uh, any last thoughts on this matchup here, Nate? I feel pretty good about our analysis there. Beautiful. Well, in that case, I guess that will do it for us on this one. We will bring you our analysis of the two semifinal matchups later this week. Uh we're kind of assuming that awards from the OUA will be coming out the following week in the lead up to the Yates, as that seems like that's how it's been in the last couple years. But of course, if anything changes or updates on that front, we will keep you updated on our thoughts of all those. And once again, down the road in a few weeks, we will do a sort of full retrospective on 
you know what we thought this year was how it all uh you know broke down and just all of that so you know thank you for sticking with us through this journey of an oua season it has been an absolute roller coaster of a ride to use the biggest cliche of of all cliches but i think it is uh it's nothing but appropriate in regards to what we've seen this year but shoot has it been a lot of fun make sure you're following us on socials to keep updated on everything going on uh throughout the week for the matchups in this one and then of course on game day if you can't be at your computer or have it plugged in at your tv watching we do our best to keep you updated on everything going on there hit up the website check out the merch check out the store and like always we will see you next time at the 55